You're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, where we take one idea or questions that have been asked of us off of the Focus Compounding website and share it with you here on the podcast for free. To get access to other questions and ideas just like this, feel free to go to www.focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up using the word podcast as a promo code to get $10 off your monthly subscription price forever. Alrighty, we are going to get started. Uh, my name is Andrew Kuhn, sitting alongside Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you? <laughs> we're laughing because I actually recorded the intro and I kind of messed it up. I'm like, no, we're going to redo it. So, all right, all right we're, we're, we're keeping it raw. So, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today on the Focus Compounding website uh, or listening to the Focus Compounding podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a Q&A session. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, people write into us often or tweet at us or uh, comment on the blog. Just a few different questions that sometimes we um, will pull over to answer them here live on the podcast. Uh, we think it's a great way, honestly, for content, number one, and then just to see what people want to know about. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun for us. Uh, so feel free to either tweet at us. Jeff's is at Jeff Gannon. That's G-E-O-F-F-G-A-N-N-O-N. And my Twitter is at Focused Compound. Um, and then our email for the website is info at focuscompounding.com, or you can reach Jeff at gannononinvesting at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So we are going to get going. This was the first question that uh, I think we've been asked this a couple times, okay. so I thought it was pretty good. Um, but the guy that I pulled this question from, his name is Rod. He emailed me, um, and he gave me a long email, but pretty much uh, the question that I think is, is pretty relevant is, he said, I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on averaging down on a position and like, so like when to average down, um, when do you feel safe to average down and and sort of add to it like that? So I have a simple answer in terms of what I actually do. I don't average down. Really? And I don't know if that's better or worse. Some some investors I've heard that, that, uh, the records would not be that good. I've I've heard that Walter Schloss, um, record would not have been good if it had just been based on his initial purchases. Um, that's hearsay. I don't know if that's hundred percent true, <laughs> but that is what I've heard. Um, and I believe that in the kinds of stocks that he, uh, bought, which often were at like five year lows and things like that. Um, I don't, and, and it is helpful obviously in stocks like Weight Watchers where yep. I, you know, um, uh, lost, uh, like I said, probably 12 or 13% of my portfolio in, in that stock because I had whatever 20 or 25% in it to start with and then lost 50%. Um, you know, if you average down, then at some point you don't know, I, I guess, um, how big that position could become. You know, is one way of thinking about it that the risk you could be making the risk bigger and bigger because of how you're uh, buying into it, and um, you could end up putting more into it uh, that way. And then also, I'm just uh, lazy that way. I, I, I try to buy in, uh, buy in in one um, go and sell in one go. Now, I mean, actually executing it sometimes takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the decision to buy in or to sell is usually one decision. Um, and the other thing is, I don't know that. Um, I mean, something like Weight Watchers, I obviously would have been successful. Uh, it turned around, and I would have gotten a chance to buy at much lower prices. Mm-hmm. But some of my more successful stocks, um, yeah, I probably should have kept buying them as they went up. You know, I mean, it wouldn't have hurt. To that's do that. hard. That's very hard to do, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. When you, yeah, that's probably, that's very hard. And, and you kind of fall into, and I guess it shows even, I mean, you've been investing for, you've been investing for a very long time and it mm-hmm. even shows how it's hard to, um, you know, not anchor to a specific price yeah. and you should have probably put in more. I mean, we all do it, mm-hmm. but that's just the hardest part about, you know, there investing. Are, yeah, there are stocks like that. Like I think right now, uh, for me, Hunter Douglas is a stock like that because uh, that was one that I wrote about and did not buy at a, at a low price. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's a very that's been a very expensive stock since then. Yeah. And I just ha- I, I probably would be more likely to buy it if I hadn't written about it at a much lower price. Yeah. And I think I actually wrote about sort of similar to this topic on the website. Um, the the post is the punch card mindset. I just sort of was giving sort of some general thoughts. And I actually came about or came across this and was writing about like, do you double? When's a good time to double down? Do you double down or sell out? Um I think the best from a lot of the research I've done, the people that tend to get smoked on doubling down or when the, the business model is extremely levered. Okay. Um, so like Warren Buffett, for example, he doubled down successfully on Coca-Cola, but he didn't double down when he lost his whole investment in Irish banks. Okay. Um, Bill Miller, uh, he took some huge hits on Citigroup, Countrywide Financial, Washington Mutual, and AIG, all companies that employed or had um, levered uh, business models. Um, and then, you know, another, I guess, more recent one is Valiant. Now, of course, Valiant had a lot of issues, but they also had a lot of debt as well. So a lot of smart people, you know, yeah. kind of got hit on that. And definitely two companies I've lost the most money on ever are Weight Watchers and um, Town Sports, which is a bunch of gyms. And um, Weight Watchers was extremely leveraged. Town Sports was extremely leveraged through leases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So I think, I mean, I don't know, obviously there's more, it's more of an art than a science. I guess every situation's different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like for like Weight Watch, for for example, when it went down to four dollars a share, it was extremely levered. And mm. you know, I guess that situation, Oprah came in or whatever, and 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 so I guess every situation just has its own little merits. But I would say, generally speaking, it's probably easier to double or feel more confident myself to double down if if they're not a company that has a ton of leverage or a ton of debt. You know. Yeah, and I think also if it's a, not a specific, somehow you know it's not specific to the company. I think I've mentioned before I I um owned a stock Activision in 2001 it was my only position I had a bunch of cash and actually right after September 11th I put all the cash into Activision it's very clear on it something like that happening that if the stock drops it has nothing to do with the, with the stock but it's some macro thing yeah so it's so it's more stuff that doesn't have to do with the actual business itself yeah so every situation is different mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I would agree with that I do not average down myself just because I think we said many times I just go into a position and get out <laughs> yeah. and don't really spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about it, thinking yeah. about it afterwards or, or, or moving a little bit up or a little bit down. Uh, don't do any of that stuff. You yeah. Know? Perfect. Cool. I think that's a pretty good question. Thank you very much, Rod, for emailing that in. Uh, these next questions have just been ones that we, again, sort of grouped together um, from people that have emailed in. Uh, some of them may be a minute answer and some of them Jeff could talk forever. So we'll just kind of keep going. So what do you do now that you didn't do when you first started investing? Uh, what did I do now that I don't, uh, okay. So I would say, um, a big difference is that I, um, pro- uh, pr- probably, uh, scuttlebutt, I guess. More so now? I guess more scuttlebutt now. Although I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Cause I tended to invest early on in things I knew already. So I guess it's just like expanding my circle of competence, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not sure that it's actually – I think it's just that when I was uh, starting out investing, I invested only in sort of industries and things that I knew something about and could talk to people who were customers in there. Um, so you've been doing the scuttlebutt approach for a very long time then? Yeah, in, in a sense. But I think I've gotten better at doing it for companies that I wouldn't understand anything about them ahead of time. Um and uh, I think that's probably the like like going into industries that I didn't know about ahead of time, um, doing some scuttlebutt. I, I guess is true. Um, 
I, I well, one thing that I do do completely differently is I look at spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So that is one that's completely different. I look at things that I think that other people might be indiscriminately selling or or getting rid of for um, a reason like that doesn't have anything to do with the company. I guess it's probably the biggest one because when I started out, I just um, really had no like. Uh, I just looked at the company. Could I understand it? Did I think I should buy it at this price? And really completely ignored Mr. Market. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I do sometimes look for places where I think there might be bargains um, a little bit more. Like I, I look sometimes at things that before I know if it's good business or not that I think it'll be mispriced. Yeah. Like we talked about NACO or something. That's I looked because I thought it was going to be mispriced in the spinoff, not initially because of the business. Yeah. And I think my... Um, Mine's a little bit. So mine, I would say, is for me is spinoffs. For example, um, of course, from meeting with you and reading the stock market genius, that would kind of open up a lot of. Uh, I just it opened up my eyes a bit, um, and then I would say one thing that I didn't do when uh, the one thing I don't do now that I did when I first started was I relied a lot on screens, okay. and I think that kind of limits potential ideas. Where if a stock wasn't even trading like under 10 times PE I wouldn't even I wouldn't even like look at it so I think now I'm more prone to reading about the business and learning about the business because and I've talked and and written about this publicly I think long term that's only going to make me a better investor Mm -hmm. instead of just sort of anchoring to oh no the stock is above a a PE of 12 I'm not even going to do the work and or like learn about the business so I think that's something I do differently now is really just focus on the business first and the valuation second and then just build a watch list of companies that I'd like to own at a future price and sort of wait for Mr. Market to give me uh, the opportunity to potentially invest in it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's I, that's one thing I've learned. I think a lot of um, smarter investors or people that have been successful, I feel like a lot of people sort of do that. And, and mm-hmm. that, was, that was something that I really, that I would say is the biggest change for me. Um, next question, what is the easiest thing about investing? <laughs> Uh, the easiest thing about investing is is uh, uh, probably uh, for me reading ten Ks. Yeah, that's the easiest. Yeah, thing. you're yeah. really good at that. <laughs> I mean, it's just the easiest thing to sit down um, and come up with an appraisal for the business. Break it down. You're completely t- turned off for that moment in terms of maybe you knew the price before or something, but in that moment you're not looking at anything that's telling you the price. You're mm-hmm. not hearing anyone else's opinions about it. And you're just going through breaking it down. How would I analyze this? What's it worth? How would I appraise it? really right there on paper that's easiest yeah. yeah you know what's kind of funny i feel like in so many things in life you could say what's the easiest thing about doing this you'd be like i'm oh, just doing nothing i feel <laughs> like doing nothing sometimes yeah. is the absolute hardest thing about investing right. mm-hmm. you know which is i mean that's the next question what's the hardest thing about investing but i mean that doing nothing sometimes is is incredibly hard yeah for me the hardest thing about investing is um when i have uh cash mm-hmm. or, or stocks that I would probably like to sell. Um, and I don't have ideas. I have more money than ideas. Yeah. That is by far the hardest part. Um, and, and many of the, we haven't really, uh, talked about that as a reason for some of the mistakes that I made, but several of the biggest mistakes I've ever made have been, um, when I had some cash and I didn't have a lot of ideas, Yeah, you know, in those moments. And, and that, um, Often when you do go back into a postmortem, like you just look at that specific stock or whatever, and you don't think as much about the fact that um, you might have been lowering your standards there, mm-hmm. uh, either in terms of business quality or in terms of like price. For me, I don't really lower my standards in price I yeah. for whatever reason. That, that has, I have yet to do that, yeah. really. I would say that's the hardest thing, too, is having cash and just not knowing exactly or feeling comfortable enough anywhere to put it to work. Yeah. 
I think that that's a really hard one is to to sit and do nothing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever trade stocks? Uh, do I ever trade stocks? You slinging some futures or some <laughs> options or what are you doing? Um, I do not trade stocks. I was thinking like, what have I bought and sold in the same year? Let's call that trading <laughs> for, for the purposes of this. So um, uh, I've had stocks taken over, which I think I've mentioned. So I've unfortunately had short-term capital gains. You ever before, done any but... sort of arbitrage or anything? So that's an interesting one. Yes. So you do. So the answer of. is so I have in the past, yeah. many years ago, um, t- it, probably the same way that Warren Buffett jokes about in a shareholder letter where he says, you know, um, when there's nothing to buy and stuff, you know, Charlie says that this is at least better than, you know, <laughs> yeah. that doing arbitrage is at least better than what I'd be doing otherwise. You know? And that is true that when there's, doesn't he say it'll keep you out of the bar. Keep you out of the bar you know? <laughs> yeah. It's when you have cash and no ideas. Yeah. And I ha- I have done some things like that. Um, and, uh, and I've written some things and helped some other people out. It's interesting. I've, I, I've, kind of given away trade ideas to people instead of doing them myself yeah actually that's something that i've done a few times so i I did some things that were involved in like um uh which was arbitrage stuff where i I bought into a company that was going to be taken over by something else Uh, i also um did some very small random stuff which is uh there was a little while um i don't know 10 years ago or something where you could buy 99 shares in companies that were going to go private and you would get cash for your 99 shares because they wouldn't they wouldn't um uh, do deals for the shareholders who were under 100 because they needed to get down below a certain shareholder number. Oh, wow. So it was like to go dark or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or at least not to have some Sarbanes-Oxley um, requirements or whatever. Yeah. They would do that. And so, yeah, I'm sure there were 10 companies or something where I bought 99 shares and sold it. And <laughs> what's the profit on that possibly? Yeah. But it's guaranteed profit in a sense. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I did some things like that. So sure. you are a little trader there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there have uh, been things like that. I think people have asked me if I've ever shorted stocks. And I say no because I think what they mean is, did I ever short a stock to yeah. profit from that? Yeah. And the answer is no. But it, I, I have actually bought a convertible preferred stock and shorted the common stock. So you synthetically kind of. Yeah. Do. But the thing with that is, you can convert it. You never have to cover the short by buying in the market. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel okay doing that. <clears throat> yeah. You can create it yourself. What is the best way to become a better investor? Uh, doing doing the work of reading a 10k so that, that's, that's what i said own. just yeah. reading a 10k over and yeah. over again and reading it and writing down a number that you think this business is worth yeah yes i mean that's i mean if you think about what warren and charlie did back in when they were getting started it's just mm-hmm. reading about companies all day long yeah i think there's a probably a video clip you can find of warren buffett on i think fox business news where he talks about buying petro china uh-huh. and he gives a little thing about this is what you should do you don't look at what the, yeah. the the stock price is, what it's trading for. You just read the report. You write it down. And and that's the great thing about like spinoffs or that haven't actually been spun off yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, because ahead of time, you can't know for sure what the market will price it at. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you're valuing it a little bit blind. It takes out the biases. Yeah, it's almost like you're valuing a private company in that moment. And it was because you valued NACO at, what was it, like 40, 50 or something like that before it came out? Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but yeah, yeah it was I, a I lot had a price. We we met, and I had a price for it, and yeah. it was you know, and it was different. And, and an example of that is, um, and I could be very wrong about this, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, we haven't talked about like Naco spun off um, Hamilton Beach Brands, mm-hmm. which is like makes slow cookers and, and microwaves and, and things like that. And um, I put a lower valuation on on that business than yeah. I think the the market generally was expecting um, it to be spun off at. Um, and I try not to be biased by the fact that, you know, it, I knew that a lot of people would disagree with me on that one. Mm-hmm. But I did the research on it. I looked at 
their pricing power since 2000 or whatever and just felt that, you know, with Amazon and Walmart and stuff, they did not have the ability to raise prices. You know, in real terms, I wasn't sure their sales were going to go up. Um, and that was just researching it on my own with each of those two. So, yeah, that's what you do. Got it. What kind of math do you use most in your day-to-day investing? That's a very good question. Me? Excel. Excel? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the one I use the least is calculus. Yeah. I heard Charlie Munger talking about this and saying he wasn't sure he could do calculus yeah, he anymore. Said he lost it, yeah. yeah, and I would say that calculus like it's like I took Latin at one point and I couldn't You took see, Latin, really? Yeah, I took Latin really? at one point. And I can't tell you any you know, <laughs> nothing about that. But at the you know, but you could pass a test on it at one point, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um so uh, calculus is absolutely true. Um it, it's that people always tell you you're going to use it. If you're not going to use it in investing, I don't know why you're going to. I, I took it because they said if you ever want to have a degree in economics, you need it. Yeah. Um, uh, the one, I don't remember the technical name for this, but like a, a Fermi problem or something. Like, a, um, So like Fermi's paradox about um, it, that has to do with uh, estimating the likelihood that there would be um, intelligent life in the universe, <laughs> right? So it's a bunch of guesses together that you're multiplying together. Uh-huh. So there's some technical name for that. I don't know what it is, but that's what I do all the time. Yeah. It's a bunch of guesses. Sure. And you assume that if I make five or ten guesses that are the best guesses I can make, they'll pretty much average out so that I'm making a pretty good guess. Isn't it like probability or something like that? No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, there's. I, I'm just telling you that. So it's like if I'm off by 10% in terms of the square footage of this place, uh-huh. it's just as likely that I'm off by 10% on the sales per square foot uh-huh, got you it. know and so there's so much that you can guess and in, this is a huge thing investing a lot of people want to print it out in the 10k for them exactly um in exact numbers what they made last year what the the profit margins on this are whatever you don't need that usually mm-hmm. if you can estimate what it is you can do so much more and so like when we, uh, there are things where i estimated what the contribution from a certain product was what the um margins on some things were and, and what they weren't on others what the 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 economics of a site were we did something where we talked about dominoes mm-hmm. i don't think we've written up dominoes on the site no no but it's something we talked about um privately and i did something where i intentionally did not look at anything about dominoes franchisees and them talking about how much they made i sat down with just the information in the 10k and wrote down a bunch of and guesses estimated, yeah. to estimate. And how close was that estimate to what was, those franchisees say? It was, it was close, wasn't it? No. And I, it was incredibly close. Yeah, and no. I did not know anything. that People will swear that Domino's doesn't disclose in the 10K what the average franchisee makes. The economics are all laid out for you. You just have to do a bunch of little guesses. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. What is the most interesting stock you haven't written about? And that's the last question. The most interesting stock that I haven't written about, um, I guess... Okay, here's one that relates to what I was saying before about trading and stuff. Uh, some people have asked me, did I ever apply to Value Investors Club? Did and you? I did. <laughs> Went with one a stock idea, which I thought was a good idea for that kind of site, but not the kind of thing I would do. Oh, uh, okay. Which is very simple. There was a company called Rex Electronics, uh, or Rex Stores, I guess it was called. It was Electronic Stores. It was selling off its real estate and stuff about 10 years ago, and it was going to buy ethanol plants with it. At the time, this company was trading below book value. And probably ethanol companies like Pacific Ethanol or something were trading at four times or more book value. So I said the simplest thing in the world is you go long Rex, you short a big ethanol company. Because we know in three years, yeah. Rex is just going to be an ethanol company. Mm-hmm. This ethanol company and Rex are both just buying or building new the ethanol plants. So they're going to own the same assets, right? So anyway, that that's what I did. Yeah. That's what I did. That's what I wrote about it. I did not buy the stock. Did you get approved? Uh, no. 
<laughs> no. But interestingly about that, Rex is up several hundred percent. I don't know if you can see, but it, in the last 10 years, it's performed well. Really? And the stock that I suggested shorting is down 95% to almost 100% because all ethanol stocks have been you know, completely uh, decimated by it. So actually, I think both the long and the short part of it have worked out fine. Wow. Um, but the interesting thing, it's Rex Energy now. It's Rex called, Energy? Yeah, I think it's either R-E-X or R-E-X-X. I don't remember the ticker on it. Um, Let's see. Rex Energy stock. It's a dollar. Probably get the right thing. A dollar once. Oh, is it Rex, Rex American Resources? No, Rex Energy Corporation. Oh, I don't know. Then no. we might be talking about the wrong, yeah, the wrong stock. Um, so there, the um, it might be. I think it's Rex American Resources. Probably is what it is. Rex what? American Resources. All right, let's see. Um, anyway, my point is that the it's something I would never do. Eighty-two dollars. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So if you look at the ten-year, I don't know if you have a ten-year thing. It's basically a, the thing I picked about ten years ago, um, twelve years ago. Oh wow. So um, if we go back to let's say like what. 2003-ish, what? No, no, 2006, 2007. 2006, so it was like $14 a share. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and and because that's before the crisis, uh, it did not, the, the S&P and stuff hasn't done that tremendously, including the, mm-hmm. the drop. And the thing is, the ethanol stocks on, generally any of the big ethanol stocks from then are pretty much worthless compared to what they were then. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly. But um, th- that's an example of the, the kind of thing that uh, I have talked about with people and that's the example like i said like a trade that i give away to someone would be that but mm-hmm. it's something i would never buy into um and i wrote one little short thing about it, it it's a weird one because so technically i've written about the stock yeah i guess mm-hmm. you could say that but um it's a really weird one because it was mentioned to me by somebody else uh who i interviewed and he was looking for it as like a below book um electronics thing and then he saw that they were getting involved in ethanol he was like oh well then i'm done killed <laughs> the idea uh-huh but when i heard this i said Oh, this is really fascinating yeah. because here's some. This is an ethanol stock because uh-huh. see, when you buy the stock, it doesn't matter what it is. All that matters is when you sell the stock, right? If you think about it, like sure. I know what this stock is going to become. Yeah, sure. And so I could see from what they were doing, I know it's going to become an ethanol stock. Yeah. So it's just a weird example of that, but that can sometimes happen um, where somehow you know, like that the business is going to be different in a little while mm-hmm. than it is now. That was a super extreme example. I can't think of any example that's as extreme with that as something that is slowly declining electronic stores turning into an ethanol company but that's what happened and so that that's one like as an example of a stock that i actually knew a fair amount about their whole story researched extensively and haven't really written about that's it wow and you didn't get in nope <laughs> I would, and i don't regret doing that at all no that's great I, yeah. I recommended something for the for the kind of thing that they have on that yeah. site that's uh-huh. something i would never do yeah. that's something with a catalyst that's not my thing yeah yeah wow. well we want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This was questions that people have emailed in. If you want to uh, have your question answered, feel free to email us at info at focusedcompounding.com or you can email Jeff directly at gannononinvesting at gmail.com. Yep. Tweet us uh, at Jeff Gannon, G-E-O-F-F-G-A-N-N-O-N. And my Twitter is at Focused Compound. And we will see you in the next one.